We are the girls from Boxcar A, and we're here to talk and teach about The Walking Dead with you. I'm Pamela. And I'm Taya. And welcome to episode 29 of The Girls in Boxcar A. Tonight, we're going to review four episodes for you. We're going to do two fear episodes, 7-3, Cindy Hawkins, 7-4, Breathe With Me, and two World Beyond episodes, 2-5, Quadavaus, and 2-6, Who Are You? Strand continues to be the worst, and I want to beat him with his hat. Let's get to it. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of strand hate in this, so just preparing everyone. Oh, it is. From the dawn of time, I have hated him from the start. <laughs> I never liked his character, and people would say, oh, he did this good thing. He's like, oh, he's in love with, with Tomas. I don't give a shit. He's terrible. <laughs> he's terrible. I hate him. <laughs> Well, first, though, we're going to get into our stuff and things section, which we're going to take a look at um, at Jadis because uh, she makes her first appearance in um, <laughs> in one of our episodes tonight. So we just want to remind people who she is and uh, get a little uh, <laughs> get a little conversation going on what the hell she's doing here now. <laughs> Because uh, she shows up in uh, the CRM, and I don't know a lot of a lot of weird things going on with her. Um, so in the episode, "Who Are You?" we get a bit of background about her and what happened before uh, what happened before she showed up at the CRM, and even before uh, she started the trash heap people. So she's having a conversation with Huck. Um, having drinks. And um, that's where we get our, our background information on her that she, she mentions the trash heap, although not by name, she, she said she started her own civilization um, six years ago. So we're going back now six years. So it looks like the timeline is pretty consistent. She began her own language she talks about, uh, and what she called theater in order to get people interested in her civilization and to bind them together. She calls it the best way that you can uh, start your own community is start your own language. Uh, she mentions that she was living by her wits out in the wilderness. Uh, she calls herself a rescue, that she was rescued um, and you know brought on to the CRM. Oh, I have to. This just popped into my head, so let okay. me interject for a second. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Pollyanna McIntosh, that plays Jadis, did this movie called The Woman, and she's actually in the wilderness, oh. and uh, she, she's like a uh, like a feral like type woman. It's a mm. horror movie, but just when you were saying that that she was uh, in the wilderness and. Uh, a, a rescue and stuff like that that just popped into my head her that's interesting I, I wonder if that's a little easter egg to her huh yeah that's that's kind of funny that that's what they put in there if you get a chance watch the trailer for it it's called oh, like, I'll, I'll watch the, the woman movie. yeah the yeah. woman and it's a it seems like it's a wild ride <laughs> <But Okay. that's, laughs> 
popped into my mind her being like that mm -hmm. when she was first in a ZA and that would be hilarious. <laughs> uh, she, uh, she also mentions that, um, that the having the language in the theater helps to um, bond the group and make them separate from other groups. And she also mentions the um, the downfall of the group with uh, with Negan by saying that she made the wrong alliances. Um, and she alludes to what I believe might be uh, her giving the CRM Rick, although I know you have some other ideas, because uh, she says that she gave the CRM something very valuable and then they essentially let her aboard. They mentioned her name. Uh, she mentions her name, says that uh, J she, Jadis wasn't always her name, but it is the name that she adopted. It gave her her identity that helped her to survive. And so she says, quote, Jadis, I am. And um, she's going by the last name of Stokes, which, of course, is um, um, Father Gabriel's last name. So mm -hmm. that's all. At least at least in the comic. In yes, that's show, right. It's it's yeah. not. I don't in know. In the show, the they've never said his name. Yeah, they've always just called him Father Gabriel. Right. Uh, so yeah, interesting. Um, but I mean, I've got a lot of questions about this, and I'm going to pose everything you know as questions because I don't have any answers. Is, what does this all mean? <laughs> the hell happened to Elizabeth? Why is suddenly Jadis in charge here? Um, she's, she says she's looking after Huck. I, it's it just seems so weird. Why does Jadis get into the CRM? Uh, where a former a former military member happens to be, she knew Huck from before. So how the hell does she get? You know, the coincidence is just uncanny that she would get into the CRM where Huck is that she just happened to serve with. She mentions that Huck actually helped train her at one point. It's, I assume she means before the fall. Maybe she means once she got there. I don't know. And I thought that she meant when she got there. I don't know. I got the impression that they went further back than that, but you could be right. I don't know. These are the questions that just popped into my head while I was watching her. Um, you know, uh, if, Rick is who she's referring to when she talks about giving the CRM something valuable, then where the hell is he? <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, uh, what's, what's the purpose of her showing up in this series, if not the Rick connection? It just, it just doesn't make sense. And once again, what the hell happened to Elizabeth? You know, why did she devolve so much? She mentions that it was purposeful to bind her community together and cut them off from other people. And, you know, I mean, societies do develop their own syntax and diction. Um, I think staying not, in a garbage dump kind of separated them from everybody uh, else. Yeah, I would think so. Just their, you know, their traditions that they, they set up there. It's, it's just so odd. It's, I mean, in regular societies that, you know, tend to develop their own language. It's not purposeful. It just kind of happens. And it doesn't necessarily devolve like that. It just develops. 
so it doesn't make sense that this person who obviously has some sort of military background or something would purposely devolve to form a society. Seems to me that she'd set up something that's more like a military community, maybe similar to what Pope did, but not this. And where the hell did the naked artwork come from? <laughs> Was that part of her plan? Let me keep them interested by strutting around naked and, you know, doing some paintings. It, it just... She seems like such a different character um, in the trash heap than she is presented here. And I, I can't make sense of it all. I, it, it just, you know, where, why the hell is she here? And where the hell's Elizabeth? And her explanations just don't make any sense to me. And that's where I stand with Jadis. I, I just don't understand it. It's more questions than answers for me. Exactly. And I have a question about Jadis. And my question is, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, Jadis. Hey, I like to get right to the point. <laughs> yes, the whole Jadis thing makes me cringe. It makes no sense. First of all, the whole trash people language. Um, yeah, it was so fucking English. <laughs> That's not, <laughs> it's, you can't call it a language when it's the same language you've always spoken. It's not like yeah. they were doing some form of like, uh, uh, Pig Latin or something, <laughs> like a French Spanish hybrid or something like that that nobody could understand but them. Um, mm. They just talked a little odd, and the the reason they makes no sense. They're living in a dump, bartering the CRM for supplies and food, fighting walkers, and they have time to learn some kind of weird speech pattern and invade Johnny Cash's wardrobe so they can all dress in black. Yeah. Right, right. Um, how many communities have we seen like during the course of Walking Dead? Eight, 10, you know, a lot of different communities and they all seem to get along fine and bond without doing any of that weird ass shit. None of them had their own, you know, besides like uh, uh, the whistling and, you know, uh, Daryl used to use like bird calls and stuff like that. That him yeah, that's that's just traditions and things that develop though naturally. Yeah, those aren't really like languages. Those are more like um you know kind of like code so they know yeah. when they're out like they can give little people sig give each other signals and things like that. Um they didn't but, start talking like Yoda. Yeah. I mean this is so poorly fleshed out and nonsensical and keeping the name Jadis is ridiculous too. No one cares what anybody's name is, was, will be in the zombie apocalypse. Honestly, I think it's because the name Anne never caught on with the fans. No one ever called her that. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> insisted on calling her Jadis because that, that was kind of silly too. Why, why couldn't her name just be Jadis or why would she say what her real name was? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like uh you know, June on fear. John okay. had called her Laura. She told um, Madison's group that her name was Naomi and now she's June. Nobody cares. She could change it again next week. Nobody's going to care. <laughs> and again, reanimated dead people is a more pressing issue. And if that was the case, why did she steal Gabriel's last name? <laughs> you know, if, if she's Jadis, if she's Jadis and that's her identity, why is she why is she stealing Gabriel's last name? That doesn't make any sense. She could and just be Jadis, like Madonna. Yeah. You know, just yeah. one name. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as for the naked sculpting, that's just rubbish. That was so, for her to like take off her clothes and put on an apron and have Rick stripped down to them. To me, that was just silly. Yeah, it, it wasn't. It seems, yeah, it seems to me that 
Oh, the walking dead clothes. Walking dead people, you know, put together this group. They wanted this group to be, you know, kind of out there. It, it people just thought it was strange, and now they're trying to say that it was purposeful and it was part of this greater plan by this character, you know, and it's just a poor poor reasoning for why yeah. this group would be acting this way and doing this stuff. And if I was, and Huck's reaction to it when Jade is saying, oh, you know, if you want to start your own like civilization and you get them to use their own language and Huck's reaction to it was, I guess, sort of like fascination or something where I would have been like, that sounds, I would have told Jada, that sounds really dumb. <laughs> yeah, sound no, dumb. no, she just took another sip of her drink. I didn't even see a reaction to be honest. Yeah, I mean, she just seemed like it made sense to her. Yeah. And yeah, she called her what you call her ambitious or something. Yeah. Or resourceful she, and determined or something like that. I mean, she complimented her consciously. Something. Yeah, it's just yeah. stupid. Yeah. So, and what is wrong with Elizabeth that she would take Jadis from the trash heap, she knew that's where she was living, uh-huh. to a major military leadership role? Mm-hmm. And what would be the reason she wouldn't do it sooner if that's something that Jadis was, um, had the skill set for CRM and the heaps had a long-term affiliation (laughs) so why only when she gave them an injured Rick did they decide that it was her time to shine (laughs) and and speaking of Elizabeth she went on some mission or something so I don't know anyway so she left Jadis in charge um also I'm not sure Jadis is confirming that she gave them Rick maybe she meant he yeah, so I just don't understand how Rick would be so valuable. There's no, and there's no fucking way he would stay there and not try to get back to Michonne and Judith. He doesn't even know about RJ yet. Yeah. Eugene would be more valuable than Rick. And Jadis also knew, like, knew Eugene. So why didn't yeah. she steal him a long time ago? Because he is, even though he wasn't like a scientist that knew how to cure the zombie virus, he is super smart. And yep. to me, he would be more valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, Rick's not a scientist. Rick's not a doctor. He's just the, you know, podunk town sheriff that likes to boss people around and chop the shit out of them with machetes. He's not, <laughs> I feel like what would, would, what would be special or valuable about him? It's dumb. Rick is the proverbial fly in the ointment Mm-hmm. you give him to a place like that and he's gonna fuck up their shit he's yeah. not gonna join them he's not gonna join them you mean to tell me iris and hope are fucking up their shit but rick isn't he's rick fucking grimes please yeah. he's everybody's shit not two teenage girls who stopped at ulta on their way to this crm place it, there's just no way that rick's just in and supposedly he's been there six years now and yeah. he hasn't done something. Yeah, that just, none of that seems plausible to me. But mm-hmm. these kids come roaming over there from wherever and never shot a gun before, never killed a walker before. And they're the badasses that are going to take this down, not Rick. Not Rick <laughs> after what he did with uh, the governor and Terminus and. Yeah, every every place they've ever been anyone they've ever encountered so 
yeah, that just, it's very odd. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand why, why they're even bothering to bring her in at this point. I mean, we're halfway through what is supposed to be the final season. So let's, let's bring in another character from another series that we haven't seen for a while. And that we you don't want to see, and we don't need to see, and what the yeah. fuck with her hair? Oh, <laughs> it didn't work for Mo Howard from the Three Stooges, and it's not working for her. Oh my god! Yeah, hideous, <laughs> yeah. absolutely hideous. Yep. So, more questions than answers. Doesn't make any sense, but there we are. Jadis is back, and she is in world beyond so okay we're gonna get right into fear let's do this so um we're gonna start out with uh reviewing fear um seven three called cindy hawkins i keep wanting to call it sadie hawkins you know i do is. too my god i have to like pause before i say it but <laughs> For people who aren't old like us, <laughs> they used to have Sadie Hawkins da Day <laughs> dances. Even they didn't have them when I was in school. I had, I think that the first I heard from them was some like older movie or some movie that was like Little Abner or something. And Little Abner used to really focus on Sadie Hawkins Day. Okay. It's supposed to be Leap Day. Okay. So it happens once every four years. That's I don't Sadie know who Hawkins Little Day. Abner is, but I did know that. Katie <laughs> Hawkins dances in school were when the girls would ask the guy to the dance. Yep. And so, Sadie yeah. Hawkins Day is February 29th, and it is supposed to be the one day that a girl could ask a guy out or ask a guy to marry her, and he had to say yes. Oh, I didn't know that. I just yeah. knew about the, the dance, Sadie Hawkins Day. Yeah. So, so this but isn't Sadie. Call this. Yeah, this is Cindy. Cindy Hawkins is the name of the episode. Um, so first thing, since we did a whole segment on sound a couple of uh, podcasts ago, I love that the episode started with the song by the Mamas and the Papas, California Dreaming. It was, I think it was just the perfect song for the perfect situation. Um, I like I really the hate montage that too. What was that? What'd you say? I really hate that. I really hate that song, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know why, because I like. I, like I love the that song. Pop is in general, mm -hmm. but I don't like that. That I don't like that song. Yeah, I, 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 well, first of all, I love the song, but second of all, I thought that it just fit so well into the into the situation. So it starts off with a montage showing John and June's daily life in um in the fallout shelter that they're staying in that uh, Teddy's fallout shelter. So it shows them going about their daily life. They're playing, you know, the game of life, which I think is kind of ironic. You know, mm -hmm. she's cooking for them. There's a countdown going on of the number of days they're down there. And I think when it begins, it's like, I think it's like it's 67, 68, 69 days, something like that. And, um, you know, just goes about their, their daily life. And he is calling uh, on a radio for help. And uh, it's just, it's just a nice little way to open up the episode. But this episode is actually in my mind about two things. It's about alcoholism and it's about obsession, which if you think about, 
it really the the same thing. And it had the feel of a standalone episode, a very good standalone episode. I mean, this is an episode that I could show someone who knew nothing about Fear the Walking Dead or the relationship of these characters or any of the previous um, episodes and they could still follow along. So essentially what happens is they find Teddy's torture chamber in a secret room in this fallout shelter. So his obsession with Teddy is coming to a head as he now has access to the room where it all happened. It had been literally, you know, this has been the place that he had been searching for him and the cops have been searching for for years where Teddy killed his victims. And now he has complete access to it. But he still wants to find one of Teddy's victims, Cindy Hawkins. We find out that Teddy had confessed to something like 22, no, he, he confessed to 23 murders, but they only found 22 bodies. We get more of Teddy's MO. We find out that he would kill them. He would embalm them. And then he would put them back in the place where he kidnapped them from. But this one victim, Cindy Hawkins, they never found the body. He never did that, um, did that for. So John becomes obsessed with finding Cindy Hawkins. Because he promised her mother. Because he prom right, he promised her mother, right. And as a fan, uh, I'm a big fan of serial killer documentaries, movies, and things like that. So I was really interested in this episode. It doesn't, it still doesn't feel like we're in a zombie series anymore, though. That's, that's the one real criticism I have. It feels more like we're in a Mad Max, or I got a very, a feel of Total Recall, that old Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, if anyone ever saw that, but not The Walking Dead. And now let's throw some Mind Hunters in there, too. If you've never seen Mind Hunters, oh my God, that's awesome. a great show awesome <laughs> series on netflix only lasted two seasons what a freaking shame but there's supposed to be a third season now they're supposed to be but i don't now they're talking no no no. they were they totally shut it down the creator of the show said mm -hmm. not enough viewers is too expensive to shoot but just recently they started discussing it again and they're really seriously considering going ahead it, with it a, needs it it really with a third that show it does because they just introduced the um btk guy and i want to yep. know Oh, I, I got to see that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a TV show based on the two guys that actually created the concept, the idea, the characteristics of a serial killer. It's just it's fabulous. Uh, anyway, behavioral sciences unit. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So, um, yeah. So John's obsession really gets going here with, you know, finding Cindy Hawkins body and, um, you know, finding this final piece to the mystery. John's alcohol uh, alcoholism, uh, to me, brings an extra layer to this episode. Um, he, uh, basically, June finds out that he has been drinking pretty steadily, even while in, in the shelter, um, and he starts to go through withdrawals. So, uh, his, uh, his withdrawals, uh, uh, obsession with finding Cindy's body. And then he starts 
hallucinating as well. Of course. So this, yeah, of course. Right. Okay. Lots of, but I thought this one was really well done. So you're asking yourself, is he going through withdrawals? Is he haunted by kind of the ghosts of his past, you know, in his mind here? Or is this cabin fever setting in? There's a lot of things that could be going on, but he starts seeing Cindy Hawkins' ghost, essentially. A vision of Cindy Hawkins begging him, urging him to find her body. Um, in some ways, it reminded me of The Shining, uh, you know, the, the Jack Nicholson version of the movie, not the later one. Um, you know, the, the character there, Jack, was going through alcoholism, not withdrawals, but he was going through some alcoholism. And he, you know, was he hallucinating? Was he really seeing ghosts? There was cabin fever going on there and he started seeing things. So it had that kind of feel to me. Um, John literally causes the collapse of the shelter with his obsession as he ends up tearing apart the room The June boarded up. At one point, she boards up the torture chamber to stop John from being obsessed with it, but also to help shear up the shelter that's starting to collapse. Well, John just tears it apart and literally causes a partial collapse. Uh, and his obsession in alcohol withdrawals causes him to literally leave June trapped under a beam so he can go look for Cindy's body. He actually has a battle in his head between the ghost of this victim and June lying, lying under a beam. So it, I, I thought it was great acting. I, I loved how it was set up and I thought the hallucinations here worked. There was a reason for the hallucinations. There was- oh, And I have to say too, mm -hmm. I don't know all these different Carradine men. Okay, <laughs> all, oh, these, Keith, all these different Carradine men. You know, because <laughs> he's there's John, there's Keith, there's Robert. I don't know one from another. Okay, <laughs> only when I see them, I like I recognize like what they're from, but I don't know any other name. But they're all like pretty fantastic. I really, really like this the Carradine family, and um, I think they're all good actors. And I think that he's a he's a good he seems like he would be John Dory's father. I think he's mm -hmm. a really good fit. I do. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. The way um, that John described him like in earlier in the, in the seasons talking about his dad, mm -hmm. um, that that's some good casting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I thought it was, uh, and I, I like the, and I'm going to be carefully using this word and you'll bring this up later, the chemistry between John and June, not a romantic chemistry, but you can tell that, you know, they really, they, they, they care about each other, you know, They're father family. and daughter-ish, you know? Mm -hmm. um, although he does leave June under the beam, but that's- <laughs> a, little, a little less fatherish. A little less fatherish, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he does bring her back to reality because she, she admits at one point that the countdown to how long they can, they have to stay in the shelter is actually fake that she's just afraid to go out there, you know? So, um, and he does end up uh, convincing her to leave the shelter um, by the end of the episode. But anyway, so um, John's radio transmission that he was doing at the beginning of the movie becomes important because people are listening and it does bring people to the shelter, including those masked people, um, 
you know, that have been popping up here and there. No one seems to know who they are. Um, but, you know, they hear him and they pose a threat for a while in the episode. And uh, even Strand and Morgan end up uh, hearing the uh, hearing John's transmission and uh, they get brought to the shelter. I did like when John uh, leaves the shelter, the perspective that they do from the hazmat suit. Um, mm -hmm. They have a, they have a, a perspective through the eye holes, which is a very limited view. Feels very, it felt very claustrophobic to me. And um, breathing sounds almost kind of like a Vader. You can hear his breathing in the suit. It really gave that sense. It, to me, it felt like it added to his obsession, you know, uh, and added to that kind of cabin fever that he may have been feeling. Um, the silence from the fallout, everything being so desolate. Um, the sound effects, the visuals, I thought they were really stunning. It still felt very total recall -y to me. Um, but it was, I thought it was really incredible the way they did it. And I like the way they did the hallucinations too. It was obvious that what he was hallucinating uh, were actually walkers. He was just putting his own faces onto those walkers. We do get confirmation about the uh, fate of Teddy. I mean, we knew that he had died anyway, but we actually see his charcoal body. Um, John sees his body when he goes above and as expected, the collapsing shelter reveals that the body of Cindy was actually buried in the shelter itself. That wasn't too much of a surprise, I'm sure, but it was still, um, it was still a, a big reveal. I'm going to leave the most ridiculous part of this episode to Taya because I know she's been chomping at the bit to discuss this ever since it aired. So um, I'll leave that up to you and I will throw it to you now. Okay. Um, I did really like this episode except for a couple of criticisms that I'm going to lose my mind over <laughs> shortly. <laughs> the first thing I want to point out is how they made a clear, clear distinction that there's no sort of romance going on between JD and June, and there isn't going to be. Uh, the way that June had the sheet draped for privacy and the way they interacted, and I thought that was important. It could have ended up skeevy and gross, but well done, because everyone knew that they were living together somewhere, wherever, like that this when this happened they were together and, and i saw a little bit of fan speculation i'm like that's her father-in-law that's gross so i was really happy with the way that they did that and made mm. that clear distinction that they were a family and not an incestuous one <laughs> so, <laughs> no, i mean even though you know they're not related and and i like that um so, so would have been icky yeah, that would have been really icky for them to like grow close in that way. And I'm glad that they they really like made that distinction that nothing was going on. Yeah. And no, no like little you know, touching their hands together and getting a little spark or anything like that. So I was happy with that. Um, I'm also a fan of true crime and I do know detectives and police officers who are invested in that one cold case sometimes long after they retire it'll eat at them and bug them and they you know they just want to know they just want to know and that seemed really authentic his dts from not drinking and his alcoholism in general also seemed very authentic like like i said those caradine guys good mm. actors um 
Although out of habit with these damn shows, I had to wince at the hallucination. <laughs> Even though, yes, that that was, I feel like I do know people who go through getting over recovering from addiction, whether it's drugs or alcohols alcohol they they do have like stuff like even like I mean they go as far as I know one guy that I know that had uh, been in recovery from heroin and he felt like and he saw spiders crawling all over him Mm -hmm. like at one point so yeah that's that is a thing that happens with addiction and and recovering from addiction but just as far as other hallucinations in the show and I know that they're coming (laughs) (laughs) stop it already okay but that and that being said, my other criticism, it was a little too convenient that Cindy Hawkins just happened to be right there. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> Where the hell else is the body gonna be? <laughs> yeah, so you know, it's not like he could go venture out someplace, but yeah, that was a little convenient. And I have to add the ghost of Cindy or hallucination Cindy or whatever <laughs> was annoying as fuck. <laughs> I was like, I was like okay, I, I can give Teddy this one. No wonder he killed you because you're fucking annoying if you were this way in real life. <laughs> as annoying as your ghost was, Teddy probably couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> and, and that's probably why he killed her because yes, she's so annoying. Um, I wish we could have made it through the whole episode without seeing Strand. <laughs> he needs to die. I just hate him so much. <laughs> However, he was almost, almost by a little thin margin, almost edged out of the worst part <laughs> as the worst part of the episode by the appearance of Walker Dakota. This <laughs> has been bothering you. Oh my God. What the <laughs> actual was gonna happen. <laughs> we saw her get nuked, turned to ash, and she blew away. She blew away her ashes <laughs> immediately after they showed that scene. I pulled up the scene on YouTube of her getting nuked and blowing away, <laughs> and I posted it in our chat. There's no denying that happened, and fans were confused, except me because I was annoyed. <laughs> I think everyone chalked it up to JD's hallucinations, but it didn't seem that way to me. Oh, no, no, it no, seemed no, no. like she was actually there and he actually put her down. Did the showrunners think that they edited that part out? That it was a deleted scene? Did they think we wouldn't remember? I feel like that was absolutely preposterous. And I like did I said, do I did some I, research, by the way, and I saw some like reviews and some episode synopsises and things like that. And they, all picked up on it they said that you know well we saw her blow away but apparently she's still a walker and you know they just kind of like glazed over it yeah and that's ridiculous and like i said immediately as soon as they showed her i went and found just that that part on youtube and it clearly shows you see the blast um you see her standing there you see her yeah yeah you see her become ash and then, and there's, there's just no way. And that, oh, that just made me want to scream. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. You know, I still hated Strand more, but I also hated that. <laughs> I thought okay. it was dumb. And uh, I do have to, though, I really like that, even though 
June and John ended up going to Strands that that John Dory Sr. is having none of Strands bullshit and he wants yeah. to leave. <laughs> so I like that. Yeah. You go, JD. I'm with you. Because okay. <laughs> I'm having none of Strands bullshit either. Oh, I'm so sick of him. Oh, and his boots too. Oh, God damn <laughs> stupid hat and his stupid boots and his little dumb uniform <laughs> like the the actual military mm-hmm. would chew someone like him up and spit him out because <laughs> he's not he's not a man of honor no he's not he, he would not be fit for any sort of military and I hope that some like real military guy like shows up and just strips him of his uniform before he dies a horrible death. So anyway, that's that of that that episode. So we can move on to seven, four, seven, four. Okay. So I'm renaming this episode, um, brother for brother. That's what I'm calling it. Although the name breathed with me is very, very fitting, but I found this was very much about uh, brothers. So um, Joshua's brother's dead. Sarah is searching for her brother and the two paths cross along the way. That's pretty much what happens (laughs) in this episode. Yeah. Uh, So the two of them end up, Sarah and Joshua, they literally- Josiah. Josiah. I always call him Joshua, Josiah, end up crossing paths as Sarah is looking for her brother. And of course, Josiah is carrying his brother's head in the box. (laughs) Very, very um, Gwyneth Paltrow style. And they, you know, they run into a couple of ventures along the way, but essentially it really doesn't pick up until they get into a car accident and they end up knocked out close to a, um, a leaking warhead. So one of the warheads apparently was a dud, didn't go off, but it's leaking. Uh, and they're there soaking up God knows how much of this nuclear radiation. The dead is surrounding them in this car and they end up bonding. Um, Sarah tells Josiah, basically, you, you ain't going to kill Morgan. And Josiah tells Sarah about growing up and his brother and how he felt when his brother had died. And Sarah is concerned that um, her brother is dead, Wendell is dead, because they found his chair and it was all bloody. But at the same time, she admits she still thinks he's alive. They fight their way out of the car. And who do they run into? Of course, Morgan. They start battling around. Josiah gets his brother's head to try to kill Morgan. But instead, Morgan kind of like swipes the head away. Happens really quick. And what happens? It, the head bites his dog. Poor little Rufus. Poor Rufus. If anything is worse than a human on revenge, it's the death of his pet. It literally shook Josiah out of his need for vengeance. It gave Sarah an opportunity to tell a really beautiful story about Wendell and how Wendell taught her to breathe when she was an infant. 
Uh, she was born prematurely. She had trouble breathing on her own. And Wendell was the infant born on the same day in the same nursery as she was. And when they put her next to Wendell, he literally taught her how to breathe. I thought it was a really nice story. Shows up again at the end because Josiah ends up helping her through a panic attack, counting her down and helping her breathe. So this was supposed to be the story about vengeance and about the loss of brothers. It doesn't 100% work with me. There was some very nice moments in it, but I, I don't see how Josiah being so dead bent on vengeance could suddenly let go of it. I know that the death of a cherished pet could have, you know, could cause you to re-examine things, but it just, it was too sudden for me. And I don't understand why Morgan would trust him. I mean, it's like literally five minutes ago, he wanted to kill me. Now that his dog's dying, yeah, he's okay. It just didn't sit true to me. Uh, yeah, I but did. I think it was more than that. I think it was also Sarah's part in talking him down. <sighs> I don't think it was the death of Rufus alone. I, I don't know. I just, it, once again, I said there was, I, I liked that there was some, there was some really nice moments. I really liked Sarah's story. The, the loss of the dog was tragic. I mean, that was the, you know, I don't want to call it a highlight, but that was like the, oh my God, moment of the episode. You know, the poor, the poor dog. No one likes to see an animal die in, in these things, you know? But it just, it, it just didn't come together nice enough for me, I guess. I thought, I still thought it was too sudden. Um, and then at the end, they have, once again, as you said, Strand shows up. They go to find Strand because they, you know, Morgan believes that Wendell, if he went anywhere, he probably went to Strand. And Strand says, oh, yeah, he's doing great in here. He's doing great, but you're not allowed. So she walks away, which I thought, you know, is what a good sister would do. But why would you trust Strand? <laughs> he could be totally lying. Why the hell would you trust him? Exactly. So yeah, but were, if she would have seen Wendell, then he would have made Wendell leave and she couldn't take that chance. Right, right. You know, and I actually did like her reaction at the end. I mean, I don't want to say I liked it because she has a panic attack at the end, but it makes sense that if you're walking away from someone you love like that, that that would be your reaction. And it was nice that, um, you know, he was able to talk her through the panic attack, but I just, I don't know, it just... Something seemed off to me. It just seemed like the episode was too rushed, like the turnaround from vengeance to, hey, I'm going to hang out with you was too sudden. It, it just, I don't know. I, I, I just thought it was too quick. I, I felt like they rushed the last few minutes of the episode in order to get to that realization. And that's my major criticism of it. So what say you? <laughs> I kind of like this episode because of Mo Collins. I have seen her in mostly comedic performances until now. And wow, my girl has some range, I feel. <laughs> um, even though she was making Josiah believe she was giving Morgan up, I think it was clear to the fans how loyal she is. Mm -hmm. um, it didn't surprise me at all 
at the end that she tried to boot him out of a moving vehicle or that she wrecked the <laughs> vehicle in an attempt to save Morgan and find Wendell. Um, I, I really feel like all along that Sarah has been a, a person who's consistent, um, you know, consistent in her loyalty, consistent in speaking her mind, consistent in her love for her brother, everything. She's a very like genuine character. And even though nobody really liked that tool Jimbo that died, you know, seasons ago, the beer guy, um, she even went on to make his beer and keep trying to make his beer because she had <laughs> promised him that and nobody liked him. But that was something that she told him she would do. So she continues to try to make this damn beer, Jimbo's beer bows and called him Jimbo. He didn't like and Jimbo's beer bows. He probably would have hated. And I think that's one of the reasons that she, you know, named his beers that. But uh, anyway, but back to her and um, Josiah, I feel like she could tell he was mourning and not thinking straight because of how driven she herself was to find Wendell. And I, I do really like how she talked him down a little silly. It was so easy maybe, but I still liked it. I did not like Rufus getting bitten and dying, of course, yeah. but, but here's my real problem with it. Um, dogs don't get the Walker virus. So yeah. I feel like he might've been able to survive. He was bitten on the nose. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was worse than I thought it's so damn dark on these shows who knows I couldn't even yeah, tell I, I actually didn't know at first he was bitten I mean no, I knew from I didn't spoilers either. but I didn't know at first he was bitten it happened that quick and I was like what the hell happened with the head go <laughs> yeah not only quick but you couldn't see a rolling head on this show was always a bunch of trouble just like yeah. with the you know, governor and the fish tanks and stuff and um but yeah I wasn't it wasn't really clear to me like where he was bitten like at first and without the spoilers like you said I probably wouldn't have known mm -hmm. and um I just don't know if that would have been fatal to a dog why would it maybe if it got infected but they put him down before that would I, I just feel like he did, he did say he was getting very sick that doesn't make sense though because animals don't get the walker virus so I think that that could the walker virus kill them but they just not turn I don't think so. I, I don't I don't know if it's happened. Usually they get eaten. Animals get eaten. Yeah, that's have true. we seen an animal just bitten? Mm. I don't know if we have on the show. I don't know. But I, I don't think that they would get since that wouldn't make sense. Okay, they shouldn't get sick from the zombie virus, the walker virus, if they don't turn. So no, I'm just not buying it. I think that that, that was a mistake mm -hmm. because we've never seen, surely some animal has gotten bitten and survived or died later or something like that. And we've never seen a walker animal. Kirkman has said that walkers don't get it, that animals don't get the walker virus. So yeah, that to me was just a way for them to kill off Rufus, which I didn't appreciate at all. I no, don't like that. No. Uh, um, I like that Sarah walked away from her twin to allow him to remain safe. I think she's a good sister, but also, boom, another ep ruined by Strand and his stupid face. I'm not sure I've ever mentioned this, but I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> and I do think he will take care of Wendell because at some point he will use him as leverage again mm -hmm. because that's a shitty kind of person he is. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's get into this then. Okay, so um, 
ratings. Mm -hmm. Episode four, uh, sorry, seven four. Uh, although still suffering from a logic at times and not looking much like a zombie apocalypse, I did enjoy this episode. I give it an 8.5 for the visuals, John's obsession and withdrawals, and an interesting end to a serial killer storyline. I really, this, this has been my favorite episode of the, uh, of the fear season so far. For episode 7-5, I just couldn't buy into this episode as much as you, I think. Um, Why trust a man who wants to kill you because you killed his brother? Um, I still think it was really the dog step that changed his mind, and I I think it was too sudden. Why trust Strand about Wendell? So six is all I can muster up, even after the death of Rufus. I didn't appreciate that. Um, seven, four, I'm going to give an eight. I love JD and the true crime aspect, even though it got a little silly with the annoying Cindy Hawkins ghost and, <laughs> and her being right there the whole time. And don't even get me started on the whole Dakota thing again. <laughs> and strand out there ruining the end of all my eps. <sighs> um, seven, five, I'll give a seven because I think Mo Collins did a phenomenal job. She's a loyal sister and a loyal friend, and she made the tough choices and sacrifices because of that ass weight strand. Strand again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ugh, the worst. Okay. Now on to World Beyond. Okay. Uh, so World Beyond 7-5 was, how do you pronounce it? Quartavos? I'm, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Um, it actually, I actually looked it up and it stands for, it, it means a crossroads when you have yes. a decision to make. So I had to look it up. Quartervois. <laughs> the quart, quart, what is it? Quartervois. Quartervois. Okay. Quartervois. I've never heard that phrase before. So this, this one was new for me. <laughs> okay. So this was, uh, two, five, and I'm going to say something that's actually kind of shocking. I actually like this episode. I think it's because we had the triad of awesome. We had Elton, Silas, and Percy all in the same episode. You're leaving out out my boy Felix. Oh, Felix too. Yeah, yeah. Felix too is in this episode. Uh, I find I like Iris. I find Iris is even more likable when she's interacting with them. Not that I like her, but she's a bit more tolerable. Uh, the moment at the beginning when they all reunite with Silas, um, I thought was really, really well done. And I liked how they use that as the cold open. And then they put the um, uh, they put the opening title right over them as kind of like, a you know, that we're looking at them from above and they're all around Silas. And then it says world beyond. And I just I don't know. I thought visually that was really nice. Uh, there's a little love triangle forming with Silas, uh, Iris, and Percy. I think it's actually kind of sweet. Uh, even though I feel like it's a teen drama, it's still enjoyable. Now, don't get me wrong. I still find Iris very annoying, but Silas and Percy help balance that. Elton is just fabulous. I don't care what he does. Even if it's kid. just sitting by the fire denying a relationship with, Ash, with um, Asha. Um, and he says, <laughs> he says at one point, um, when he's asked if he, if he's dating her, he says, nah, shit's messy. 
<laughs> I just thought that was awesome. Um, I also really like the running joke that everyone wants Elton's corduroy. <laughs> it's cool. It is. Um, I just think it's great. I also um, think it's kind of funny that, you know, by the end of the episode, Percy has to pretend to be Elton. Um, he's wearing the corduroy jo um, a jacket and he ends up getting turned in air quotes um, to the CRM um, along with Iris and Felix. Uh, and because he's wearing the corduroy and because they know him, you know, they know that there's a corduroy boy out there. Um, he has to pretend to be Elton. I just, I don't know, I found that kind of funny. Um, little side note, my daughter and I went shopping the other day, we went thrifting and um, she found a corduroy jacket she fell in love with and all I could think of. <laughs> well, you'll be, you'll be great in the apocalypse. When this you'll be safe from walkers. Yeah, you'll be safe for walkers. So I'm going to make sure she carries that jacket with her all the time. <laughs> Good. Their plan is kind of elaborate, um, but it still made more sense than most of Rick's plans. <laughs> this actually yeah. was elaborate, but pretty thought out, basically. Um, the perimeter was going to pretend to turn in Iris, Felix, and um, no, wait a minute, Iris, Percy, and Felix. Yeah. Um, and then they were going to go in there. They were going to get Joe and Hope out. Silas was going to wait for them on the outside. They were going to jump in a truck with Silas, take off, meet at a rendezvous point, get out of there, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that that's essentially the plan. Um, you know, it's a little more well thought out than some of Rick's plans, that's for sure. Um, still not interested in Huck or her mom. And uh, I just don't understand any of Elizabeth's motivations in this episode. Uh, why wipe out entire communities? Why the plan to possibly wipe out another community? Why treat her daughter so distrustfully? They're the strand of yeah, <laughs> world beyond. Yeah, they have the strand of world beyond. Um, why be so suspicious of a group of people that she promised to bring back? Um, I don't get why everyone has to be the enemy. And we also find out that it looks like people from Omaha were actually used as test subjects. So why would you use the people of Omaha as test subjects? Surely you've got plenty of walkers around you can use. It just, it's not making any sense. They um, essentially, Huck finds evidence um, that it, this was all planned, that Omaha was wiped out and that some of the people there were, were brought back as test subjects. Uh, and Joe was just stupid to, okay, another name I'm gonna mess up here. Li it's Lila, right? Lila, Lila, yes. yeah. Lila, Lila. Okay, so Joe is just stupid to trust Lila. He keeps saying, "Who's like, Joe? Huh? Who is Joe? Am I using the wrong name? The father. His name is Leo. Leo. Why am I? Why am I getting Joe? <laughs> My notes say Joe. Okay, Leo. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> all right 
<laughs> I've just been sitting here thinking, who the hell is Joe? I've got Joe in my notes. Why do I have Joe in my notes? <laughs> I don't know. I missed it. I wouldn't mind, but I took the notes watching the freaking episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's Leo. Leo. No, I know that. I do know that. I know that people. It is Leo. I know that. I don't know why I think it's Joe. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> This is why you shouldn't multitask people. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Um, and the last few minutes were actually pretty intense. They had to get out by a certain time. I think it was like two o'clock. Um, Silas ends up getting caught uh, with the truck. So, you know, in the final moments, you don't know if Leo is going to come back with Lila or not, because he says he wants to take Lila um, along. And um, they also find out the information about, um, you know, what happened at Omaha and the test subjects. And Silas is there with his hands up, surrounded by the CRM cops. So um, it, it's very intense. But yeah, I enjoyed this episode a lot. Um, the first time all major cast members were in the same episode at once since last season. And by the way, didn't fall asleep this time. So that was, that was a plus. Yeah, I did stay awake. <laughs> yeah, okay. that, that was good. Okay, so, um, okay. What'd you think and of this episode? I'm living for Percy, Felix, and Elton. I think they're the best and most interesting characters to the point I'm more invested in what they're doing than in whatever the fuck the experiments are. <laughs> whatever bug crawled up Eliza's butt. And this whole plan Iris and Hope have going on that obviously is not going to work. <laughs> we just know it's not. They're like the wily e. coyote, mm-hmm. the catching a roadrunner that's just going to keep like blowing up in their faces. Um, I'm not sure why we're this far into the season, the final season of this show, plus mm-hmm. fi- you know final season of Walking Dead. Seasons, right? Yeah, and we still don't know what's going on. But Elton is a little. It just gets more and more messy. (laughs) Yeah, but Elton is a little doll, so I'm showing up. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so they. It's just all, all over the place, and I don't. Time. Yeah, and I, I, I don't get it. So that's all I have to say about that one. Uh, But I didn't fall asleep. (laughs) I didn't fall asleep either. I stayed awake. Yep, and I didn't fall asleep for uh, the next episode, which is two six. Um, I didn't fall asleep for this one either. I'm going to say something else kind of shocking. I'm starting to enjoy the season now, but it's a shame. It's taken us halfway through the season to do it. But finally, I think the show has started to pick up. Um, It seems to have been suffering from the same slow burn that it suffered from last season. We went through this last season too, where it really didn't start picking up until halfway through. But finally, I'm interested we finally are starting to get some answers or at least an acknowledgement that something is wrong here. Okay, when the characters start asking the same questions we've been asking, that's a good sign. That means we're on the right track and that's what's starting to happen. Still don't like Iris, um, but I do find it interesting that Iris right now is kind of the wild one, the live wire. She's the one that wants to quote, burn this place down while hope is the one that's trying to be smart and logical. Okay, it seems like there's a role reversal there because Iris was always the dependable one and hope was always the wild one. Now it looks like it's switched. Um, 
I'm starting to find Lila interesting too, actually. Um, I found her story about her daughter Mia and husband turning at the beginning of the um, apocalypse compelling and a logical reason about why she may be doing these experiments. I also really enjoyed her debate with Iris, even though Iris was being a you know, a real bitch during it. But I really enjoyed her debate with Iris um, over dinner. They had a debate about animal testing, uh, which is very parallel to the Walker testing that they're witnessing. I think it's a timely topic. Uh, Lila talks about, you know, well, you know, if, if a few mice suffer in order for humanity to live better, isn't that a good trade-off? And Iris says, you know, well, it depends where you draw the line and it's a morality thing. And of course, what Iris is getting at is the experiments they're doing on walkers. Yeah, you know, yes and no, because walkers are already dead. It's mm-hmm. not like they're animals they test on are not already dead. So I don't think that that's a fair comparison, really. It's, it's a good point. That's a good point. But I, I get where she was going with it. And the idea that there has, you know, that there may have to be, and, you know, obviously it depends where you stand on the idea of animal testing, which I think is pretty, <laughs> it's really yeah. only one place to stand on it. But um, yeah, I go to great lengths to like buy cosmetics and hair stuff and soap and whatever, whatever, everything that's not tested on animals. Yeah. And if I find that I, even if I got something that I really like, if it's a cosmetic, when I find out, you know, they start started selling in a country that mandatory animal testing and stuff like that, I throw it in the garbage. And, and, and I write, and I write the company a letter telling them that they continue to sell to countries that uh, test on animals or that they test on animals. I'm not going to use their product anymore. I will stop what I'm doing and write to them. Yeah. So yeah, no, no, an animal testing for me, but Walker testing, I'm down for because they're dead, any, <laughs> they're dead anyway. And if, you know, but, but you got to remember if their theory of what's happening is right, then it looks like they're killing people to make them walkers in order to test on them. Yeah. Now that I don't agree with because yeah. <laughs> there seems to be, there seems to be enough walkers around that they could really, that they, they, yeah. that they don't need to create any more. Yeah, the now I think I think the reasoning there is that they're trying to get the freshest walkers that That, they can. That was my thought too. Yeah, but that still does not justify it. No, at all. And I also think it's kind of weird how they're trying to do something to accelerate their decomposition instead of curing the walker virus. I think that. That's kind of an odd choice to put all their eggs in that particular well, especially basket. Especially since Lila's role in the past was she worked for, was it a pharmaceutical company, right? Mm-hmm. So she was working on cures. Yeah. You know, so it, it seems like, yeah, it seems like it's it's a weird way to go, go about it. Yeah, it's super um, odd that that, and, and that doesn't, that wouldn't stop people from turning. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't, um, that wouldn't stop the bites from killing you. Yes. It accelerated. Just, you know, stab them in the head. <laughs> yeah. just, it just seems to me like that's kind of a silly thing to concentrate on is accelerating their decomposition because mm-hmm. who's waiting around for them de- to decompose anyway and not 
shooting them in the head or stabbing them in the head. Mm-hmm. That seems, seems I, an I'm incredible gonna, waste of time. Yeah, as, as you're talking about that, it brings me to something else that happened in this episode, which was the prayer st- ceremony that um, Asha and, um, and uh, oh, not Felix, the other one. Oh, my mind's drawing. Oh, Dev? Huh? Dev? No, no, the, the prayer ceremony that Asha did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to jump ahead to that because it, it just occurred to me as you were talking that she is someone who has reverence even for the dead, that hopefully some good will come out of this. And, you know, she treats their corpses with respect and she has this whole ceremony over it a prayer ceremony it was you remember a couple of them um a couple of episodes ago i was a little confused i thought maybe it was some sort of a worshiping um that she was doing but it was really clear in this episode that it's just it's it's a prayer ceremony it's maybe some good can come out of this and in some ways there's like a parallel there where you've got this, you know, we're going to, you know, decompose the bodies, you know, so a walker can be a, a good thing where we can experiment on it and we can find an answer versus this reverence and this, you know, let's let's do a prayer over it and put flowers in the body. Let's, you know, let's treat it with respect as opposed to treating it as a science experiment. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, you know, as you were talking, I just recognized that there was that kind of parallel there. So I really like that character of Asher. I like the little romance there that's starting to, um, to brew with, um, with her and Corduroy Boy. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just, it, it's really, it's really nice. I, I like that part of it. Um I am finding I like Huck, or, Huck a little better when she's with Felix. Once again, <laughs> Felix balances it oh. out, but I still can't stand Huck. And um, and oh my god, I was pissed that Asher's brother got killed. Yeah, so oh. angry. That was the shocker at the end of the episode. That really, really angered me. Um, just literally came out of nowhere. He was, uh, you know, talking about the the gun that his father gave him, and suddenly he was shot by the CRM from behind. It's just terrible. Yeah. Um, awful, awful. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm into it now. I do have one question, and um, I don't know if I just missed it or whatever. I did watch the episode a couple of times. I tried to pause it, but the test subject walkers in the deep freeze had tattoos on their arms. I'm wondering if they were A's. Um, I couldn't quite tell. I didn't know what was written. We know that the entire project is a V. So any of the paperwork that has the project on it is a V. It seems like alphabet soup. We have A's, we have B's, we have V's, whatever. But um, I don't know if there were, if there were A's on the arms because that could explain someone being an A versus someone being a B, which we know it's some sort of code system that, you know, halfway into the final season, we still don't have an answer for. Yeah, it doesn't, it still doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, yeah, but uh, 
Yeah, loving Percy, loving Felix, loving Elton. Um, and that, yeah, there's quite a few characters I actually like, but there's quite a few I don't. And unfortunately, two of them are the main characters. <laughs> I think that the tattoo, if I, because it was hard to see, I think that it's not just an A. I think that they have a number too. Yeah, no, I knew they had some, but I was wondering if there was an A on it. I'm pretty somewhere. sure it starts A and then the number. Okay, so there's your A's. Because I think that, um, I think that Samuel Abbott, I want to say, because that's the one I'm thinking of, not the newest one. Yeah. I, I think his is A402. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Now that you were mentioning that, I'm pretty sure that um, that hit the one with the beard that we yeah, that the people oh, thought were Rick, was Rick for somehow. Uh, yeah. But Samuel yeah. Abbott, Abbott's still not Rick. And I, I'm pretty sure his was A and then dash 402. I want to say mm-hmm. that's what it is. So probably all of them have like whichever test subject they are like numbered on them. So apparently there's at least 402 of them. <laughs> if he wasn't in the new one. So. Well, there's a heck of a lot of them in that uh, freezer. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, you know, it could be hundreds, could be thousands, you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I do not trust anything that Lila says. Um, <laughs> and I think it's about time Leo has started to figure her out. Mm-hmm. And I don't like her. I don't like Huck. Leo Nacho. Yeah. Yeah, Leo <laughs> Nacho. Um, I, so. By the way, I just looked up Sam, Samuel Adams here. And uh, you're right. Who's Samuel is, uh, Abbott. What is Abbott? wrong with you? Well, like... Adams, you know what that is. That's <laughs> a beer. Yes, yeah, beer. beer. <laughs> yeah, are you drinking it? Because, <laughs> damn, you don't know anybody's name. Like, What's my name? Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, T.S., so test subject A, his head's blocking it, and then 2-7. Uh, test subject A, four zero two seven. Yeah. See, I was right. I, was, yep. I saw okay, four so we've, got a, we've got an A. Okay. okay. All right. Awesome. Okay. You're good. You're good. I can't remember the father's name, but you remember the uh, <laughs> the test subject. So yeah, you there know, you go. I, have, I do have a good memory for shit like that. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I don't like Lila. I the story she told was probably true, but I still don't. I don't trust her. I don't like her. I don't like Huck. So many unlikable characters and none of them are dying. I don't understand it. They kill Dev, but they don't kill Huck. She's still living. This isn't right. <laughs> and plus now we have Jadis and her terrible hair <laughs> to contend with. Honestly, what is going on with that hair? Why is that anyone's idea? It's not like other women in the military have that hair. No one should have that hair. Um <laughs> I would honestly have liked this show to be about just the experiments and not so much taking down the CRM. Yeah. Elizabeth's choices and behavior continue to see, seem random and nonsensical. Something uh, almost like she's just a, a tyrant, just drunk with power. And she's just doing, she's Caligula. I don't know <laughs> what she's doing with these walkers and all this all this other shit um i don't even know why she is in charge who's in charge of her is she like the top dog is there someone else she's answering to um i feel like we just aren't getting enough information at this point and it's like split into too many 
directions. Yeah. Okay, CRM is bad. Why are they bad? Show us what they're doing and less of trying to take them down. And it would make more sense to me if it, it seems like that they're trying to take them down just because they found out about Nebraska. Um, they think that Elizabeth is a crotch. So, but they don't know all there is about the experiment. So why aren't they finding that out and then either trying to take over and change things or, I don't know, do a different sort of experiment that is more helpful instead of making something rot quicker. <laughs> I feel like that is never the answer. <laughs> Faster rotting is not the answer because who, like I said before, who's going to sit around and wait for that to happen and not stab a walker bitch in the head? <laughs> that just doesn't make any sense to me. That's well, actually, the helpful. stabbing in the head would be quicker than the rotting. Exactly. So yeah. why why are they wasting all the time accelerating decomposition? That doesn't make sense. I would like them just to, <laughs> Jesus, just answer what the freak happened yeah. to Rick. Please, and honestly honestly back to the whole rotting thing okay so what are they going to do a herd of walkers comes at people and they're going to just sit down and say oh well now they're rotting faster so we're just going to we'll just wait they'll rot in a month as opposed to a year so we can wait a month yeah so oh you know they're 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 you know just descending on our community and stuff so let's not shoot them or stab them in the head because they're rotting faster we'll just that makes zero sense they should be finding a way to cure the walker virus or stop the virus or you know treat bites and uh get it to the point where people are not turning when they die like they're just being regular dead people when they die instead of reanimate walker yeah yeah that just it, that just doesn't none of it makes sense and they i feel like it would be a better show if they're concentrating on the experiment end of it and what crm is doing instead of these teenagers that don't know shit from shinola just showing up and wanting to destroy the place that doesn't make sense to me no 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 and it does have a bit of a teen drama feel um yeah, which, you know, I mean, in, in some case, you know, in some cases it's cute, but in some cases it's like cringy. And I just, I, I just wish they wouldn't waste our time. Because once again, halfway through the last season, we still don't have answers. We have more questions. Suddenly they're finding out about the experiments. We've got new characters coming in like Jadis and we still don't know what the hell happened to Rick. And I'm just, my patience is kind of at an end. And I am starting to enjoy this last half a season, which sucks we'll, because it's going to be over. Maybe we'll find out Rick is the barber who gave <laughs> Jadis a terrible haircut. <laughs> but well, again, at least we was- know he's not going to be Samuel Abbott. So <laughs> yes. I hate that people think, but yeah. um. Yeah. Well, when I was looking up that, um, you know, his test subject number, of course, they had pictures of him right next to Rick and all the theories were popping up. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Ridiculous. Ridiculous. All right. Let's rate these suckers. All right. So two five. Uh, I am going with an eight for this one. Um. Once again, Felix, Silas, 
and Percy in one episode. We've got a little teen drama romance, a decent plan, and Silas playing a major role in that plan. I forgot to mention he does have a major role being kind of the getaway car. And I, I really liked it. I liked his little conflict on, you know, that it's a lot to take on. I don't know if I want to do this. I liked that Silas felt as if he kind of finally belonged somewhere. He felt like, you know, oh, gee, you know, this, you know, these people are actually pretty good to me. And he, you know, he was a little conflicted about betraying them. Um, I don't know, I just, I, I love those characters. I liked it. So I give it an eight. Uh, four to six, I'm gonna give it another eight. I'm starting to dig the episodes. Although I could really do without Jadis. Um, Jadis, I think for me is like Strand for you. I can't stand her. I don't know why she's there. I need her out. What the fuck is she doing there? Why is she needed? Don't give us new characters whose presence just brings more head scratching. And please get Iris out of here. Okay. I just, I, I, I don't like Iris either. Yeah, that girl. <laughs> All right, two five. I'll give a solid seven for my boys, but this show really needs to pick up the pace. Um, two six. I'm going with a six because the addition of Jadis is just weird and awkward. Um, if they're not going to give us Rick, who the fuck cares what her and her stupid hair cut her up to? Mm -hmm. I don't care. I'm still not loving it because it's too uneven and all over the place, and it's got to figure itself out. And I don't feel like there's a lot of time to do that. Yeah. Yeah, and my big fear with this is that they are going to rush the last episode or two to wrap it all up, and it's going to feel like one hot mess. Yeah, you know, because that's a that's how many episodes are in um, World Beyond? Do I want to say there might be sixteen this time. Okay, but I wanted to say fifteen, but I'm not sure. Okay. um so we're not quite halfway through it yet but we're, we're pretty close yeah close enough that well i mean last season um, last season was a short season right the first yeah season. i think yeah it was a shorter season but um i feel like nothing really happened until halfway through no until the last episode <laughs> to be honest <laughs> I, I remember starting to like it about halfway through. I'll have to double check my notes, but I, I that's what I thought. Um, yeah, I, I seem to remember about halfway through. I think I want to say maybe there's only there's only ten episodes. There's only ten really episodes. Suck. Yeah, 10 episodes this season, and I think 10 episodes last season, too. I remember 10 episodes last season. Yeah, ten, only 10. So we're on, it's almost over. We're almost done. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, there's only 10. Yep. Yeah, I so was thinking that means we're on episode six mm -hmm. now. So we're more than halfway done, and we still have more questions and answers. The introduction of a character that shouldn't be there unless she's going to give us Rick and um, characters we don't like. All right. So, yeah, four more episodes to suffer through. And this is, I feel like, going nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm afraid they're going to rush it. I'm afraid they're well, going to get they all have, the They have to. Yeah. There's no, this is like Game of Thrones 
final oh season. Oh my god! Yeah, everything has to be packed into like you know a couple episodes. Anyway, for spoilers, it still hurts. Game of Thrones still hurts. Oh, I can't even with that show. But yeah. anyway, for spoilers and predictions, I don't have any for World Beyond. Um, I don't know if anybody's staying awake long enough to to get the spoilers watching it a week ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but Fear is a Dwight and Sherry episode uh-huh. until Strand shows up to ruin my life because <laughs> <laughs> I know that he's in it too. Yeah. But I do know that they um, they have shelter. They're of course going out like just like everyone should do when there's radiation. <laughs> I feel yeah. like everyone should be outside as much as possible and there they are. So yeah. of course they run into Strand. He offers them shelter but always like in exchange for something and uh, of course, Dwight and Sherry don't like him either, and they're like, you know, fuck off. So um, they're going out to find this uh, to reunite this this couple. So that's like the the gist of that. But it does go back and forth with Strand and everything. I think that you know they were saying that the concept of this season was going to be, you know, concentrate on. You know, one or two characters in an episode, but, but Strand, damn it, Strand keeps popping up, and I don't appreciate that shit. Have somebody <laughs> else pop up. Anybody, Daniel, Daniel, let's see Daniel in every episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't need Strand, nobody does. I'm going to withhold my judgment on how this, how fear is, um, how fear is going until the end, until I see all these little, well, I, I mean, to me, they're like standalone episodes. Each one is an individual standalone and I'm finding some of them I'm liking more than others. So I just want to see it all play through before I say it was a good strategy or not. <laughs> it would be one thing if Strand wasn't popping up in every single one. Right? Well, Strand is the Strand <laughs> that seems to yeah. be keeping it all together. <laughs> oh, and we haven't seen Alicia yet. And No, no. Yeah. Or Althea. No, Daniel, my boy. Yeah, well, Dan, Dan, Daniel showed up, didn't he? Not, not. At, I wanted like a, yeah. a bunch of Daniel. He was yeah, only no, no, in, like, all, no, no. There was only Daniel with memory loss. Yeah, just you know, very, some, very barely at the beginning of one episode, and right, you know, right. and the rabbi. I keep forgetting that he's even around. Yeah, and it was a shame that even though they talked about Wendell and he was supposed to be up in the tower with Strand, that we didn't get to see Wendell. See him, yeah. Yeah, no, it's all right so so, okay. so ends another yeah. another podcast episode yeah hey ben hey thank you for listening ben <laughs> <laughs> and i know it i know it's leo yeah. <laughs> it's definitely leo i know that <laughs> now you know <laughs> leo and <laughs> well wait a minute you call it Josiah, Joshua. Yeah. <laughs> he has some it's trouble late. tonight. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think our audience realizes how late we stay up to do these things. It's it's after it's 1237 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> this are. is our dedication to you guys. <laughs> That's right. It's hard for us to get our shit together. <laughs> but we're doing it, you know. Yeah. So. Yep. All right. So we will say good night, good people, and goodbye until next time. Until next time. Peace out. Bye. Bye.